Ron, we are now on day four of cash flow tactics and part two with Brad Gibb. What do you think so far? You know, I loved the core four yesterday, and I know today we're going right into the four pillars. So uh, I can't wait to kind of jump right in. So for those of you that are unsure of what the core four is, just check out yesterday's episode. And uh, for that matter, if you've missed anything from this series, you can go back to Monday. Hit Ryan D. Lee for part one, part two, and then Brad Lee, Bradley Gibb part three yesterday. And then today, Bradley Gibb part four. What do you say? Let's get to it. If you are like we were, stuck and searching, there is so much out there. We were searching and searching. So we decided to follow our passion of helping people achieve their goals, helping others that are feeling stuck. On this podcast, we plan to cut through all that noise, give you actionable steps from highly successful people so that you can have better foresight through others' hindsight. This is Hindsight Hacking. We bring you right back into where we left off yesterday with Bradley Gibb. Let's jump into it right away. Okay. So appreciation is one way and I like making money through appreciation. It's great. It serves me well, but I need the other three pillars to really have control. So there's three other ways and every investment has all four pillars. You just have to ask yourself, how many of them are you getting? Okay. Because every investment has all four. Okay. Someone is getting them. And if you're not, you need to figure out who is. So appreciation is one. The next one is cash flow. Is it possible that I could own an investment that simultaneously goes up in value and puts money in my pocket? Absolutely. Right? We do it all the time. Rental real estate is one. A business could be another one. A dividend paying stock could be another one. There's, there's a handful of those. But now we're starting to eliminate things like mutual funds because mutual funds only go up or down in value. They don't they don't go up in value and provide cash flow. Okay. So now I've got two ways to make money. The third way I can make money, and this is my, one of my favorite topics, is I cannot pay taxes on something, right? A dollar, if I make a dollar in two different investments and one I pay tax and one I don't, those are not the same dollar, right? right. So I cannot pay taxes. That's the third pillar is how I'm taxed on it. And the fourth pillar is leverage, okay? This can be financial leverage. So think about, let's go back to real estate because it's an easy example. If I want to buy a $200,000 um, investment property, do I need $200,000 in my bank account? No. No, just, I can- Deposit, down payment? I just need a down payment. And then I can use someone else's money, OPM or leverage, okay? But in the world of investing, leverage is not subject to just financial leverage, right? Um, I own- lots and lots of investment properties, but tenants never, ever call me. That's because I leverage the time and expertise of a property manager to stand between me and my tenants. Okay. I can leverage technology. I can leverage other people's experience and knowledge. I can leverage time. Right. But can I do any of those things in my 401k? No. Not really. Right. So, so <clears throat> go ahead. Just hope and appreciation. Just for that. hope and appreciation. That's about all that you have, right? Do you know so, how many times, and I don't mean to interrupt, but you know how many times I tell people hope is not a strategy? Like I say it all the time, but I never really put it 
in these terms, even though I, I know Corey's heard me say that multiple times. Like I've said that to multiple people. Anyway, sorry. But your entire traditional financial trajectory is hope, hope, hope. hope. yeah. Yet somehow that's not been exposed because it's not PC to to talk about investing. Like it's just, it's so ingrained in us that as soon as we have a dollar, we're not responsible unless we put in a 401k, diversified stocks, bonds, mutual funds, blah, blah, blah. It's just so the way it is, but doesn't have to be. Okay. So for me, my dollar, I do not give it permission to go work for me unless it passes the core four and the four pillars. Adding those together, that's why our formula is core four plus four pillars. That is the fastest path to freedom. The more pillars we have, the more control we have in the investment and the less risk we have to take. Let's go back to my 2007 investing example. In 2007, my appreciation pillar was not working out awesome for me, right? It was the opposite. I was losing money from an appreciation standpoint, but I still had cash flow. I was still paying my mortgages down every month and I was not paying taxes on any of it. So I had the other three pillars. So my wealth could still advance even though my appreciation was low or zero or negative. I was still making money. My game plan was still advancing forward. I was still becoming financially free. So I was, even though we were in the same investments, like I could have owned property right next to somebody who went bankrupt because of how I did it, I got a different outcome. And that's the key to understanding the core four, four pillars that the investment itself doesn't matter. Like people look at Warren Buffett, like guys, the most, one of the most damaging financial books out there is Tony Robbins book, Money Master the Game. Okay. And here's why. Okay. He spent six chapters getting you all hyped up the way Tony Robbins does. He does his magic that he's good at. And then he posed a very powerful question that seemed really, really exciting. I'm going to go around and and interview all the billionaires of the world and see what they're doing with their money. And then I'm going to tell you what they told me. It's a great hook, right? Yeah. Problem was, is he asked the wrong question. Here's the question he should have asked. He asked, what are the billionaires doing with their money? Ron, Corey, are you guys billionaires? No, you're not. So do you care what a billionaire does with his billions? No, you want to know how they got the billions. That is the question they should have asked. Yes. What did you do to make a billion dollars in the first place? That's the question that should have been asked. This is what we call the iceberg principle. Everybody wants to see the 10% of the iceberg that sits above the water, but they ignore the 90% that created the wealth in the first place. What created the wealth in the first place is the core four and four pillars. No matter how hard you try, if you wanted to perfectly mimic everything Warren Buffett does with his portfolio, you will never be Warren Buffett and you will not be a billionaire. Because if you tried in your 401k to mimic Warren Buffett's portfolio, you're not going to get the same outcomes because you're not doing it the same way. Warren Buffett started a company and raised capital and then takes ownership positions in companies and then sits on their board and influences their outcomes. You buying a share of common stock in the same company does not get you the same result. Warren's making it in all four ways. You're making it in one. You will never keep up. So what's your, 
obviously you mentioned you have a bunch of real estate. Um, you know, is that kind of where you lean towards uh, with regards to the, the core four and four? And this is what I love. Like investing is simple when we understand the frameworks. So now if we take the frameworks and ran, and I've done this because I've done this for the last decade and I geeked out like, guys, seriously, like I need help. This is my call for help. Like, have you ever played the game? Um, um, what's it called? Um, guilty pleasure. Like everybody talks, like says the, the thing that they do. Like it'd be like Corey, if you were secretly a closet fan of um, let's say chick flick movies. Right. And that's what you watch late at night and no one knows about you. Right. Like what's that guilty pleasure you have that's what I do by myself. <laughs> yeah. You just, you, you watch romance or you read romance novels or something. Right. Like when I play that game, like I need help because the first vacation I ever took. So when I was working at Goldman Sachs, I had vacation time that I could take. Do you know what I did? Um, I paid for plane things. tickets. What? <laughs> had to do with numbers. Had to it be started. Okay. So I paid for plane tickets and paid for my own hotel to go to an economics conference to listen to people like actual economists talk about economics. That's how Okay. So I guess I've taken this framework and I've run everything through it. And there are only three investments that pass the core four, four pillars. Three. This is why the investing is easy. There's only three things we need to pay attention to if we want to be financially free. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. Makes it easier. Makes it easier. Way easier, right? There's three. Okay. One is you own a business. Businesses have all four, all four pillars, okay? This is why Warren Buffett is, is worth what he's worth. He doesn't invest in the stock market. He started a company that invests in the stock market, okay? And we pay him to invest our money. <laughs> Get it, okay? So you have a company that you own. A second one we won't talk about today, there's just not enough time, is a concept we call the vault, okay? That's a place where we hold and store our capital because a bank account doesn't have all four pillars, okay? but there are accounts where we can store our capital that has all four pillars. We'll get there another time. But the third investment is real estate. Now people are going to say, Oh, Brad, but I can do this options trading thing that produces cash flow and goes up in value. And I get tax benefits. Like, okay, great. But what you need to understand is how active do you need to be involved in that outcome? If you have to be actively involved in the outcome, it is not an investment. It's a business. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but accept it for what it is. The only people that are successful, whether it's option trading strategies or anything that I would kind of downplay and say, you're not going to make money doing that. Like, well, let's take Bitcoin right? like last time that that was a big run and any of those things, the people that made money had a unique ability. They had an expert, they built an expertise in it and they spent enough time in it to be successful. It was actually a business for them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So all of those things, if you're going to be six, if they don't have the core four, four pillars inherently built into them, the only way to be successful is to treat it as seriously as you would a business. Then you can make lots of money. There is no place on the planet you can make more money than a business. Okay. But just acknowledge it as such. Then the only one that is not a business that you can actually get enough leverage in it to do it. Passive is not the word, like that's what everybody thinks. And I will use that to get it passively. We call it leveraged income because passive income is a lie. But to get leveraged income, 
the only other place to do that is real estate. It's either your business or real estate because a real estate really is a business in a box. It has clients, it has, it has employees, it has liabilities, it has assets, it has everything running in it. It's all baked in and I can go find someone else to run it for me and still get all four pillars. I can have someone else run my stock portfolio, but Warren Buffett's going to take the other pillars and leave me with appreciation right? Or maybe leave me with cash flow and appreciation. I can't get all four. The only business that I can get all four and have someone else run it for me is real estate. So the only thing we do are those three things. We, we set up a vault. We, guys, you heard me say this from stage at Stephen Larson's Offermind event. Your best investment is you and your business. And then when you want cash flow and your time back, we buy real estate to create cash flow, and that's it. That's, that's awesome. So um, I, I talked with you know, Ryan, and we talked a little bit about your logo. I think we touched on that before the show, but you said something that was interesting that I'm actually seeing your logo differently and I'm seeing it kind of like an iceberg right now, mm-hmm. you know, cause it is that it is that shape where everyone's trying to get to that, that tip, but you don't see everything that's underneath it. Right. Yes. And the goal is not to get to the tip. That's the hardest part right. about our logo is, Yes, I know what's there, but it might come as a shock to you. So I'm financially independent. I'm 39, turning 39 this year. I'm financially free. My income exceeds my expenses. I work because I love what I do. Um, And I don't have a dime in the stock market. Not one red cent. So the goal is not to get to the top where those one pillar investments lie. It's to build it correctly. So going back to the beginning of the episode, the fastest way to get financially free is lay a strong foundation and then focus on your business or investment real estate. And there's caveats to how to do the real estate. There's actually only two or three types of real estate that even work out of the thousands of way to do it. But either take something seriously enough to be a business or a side hustle and invest in and rental real estate and rinse and repeat. And instead of trying to go up the pyramid once we've kind of hit our ceiling, we go back to the foundation, build the foundation larger and stronger so that we can then do the next level bigger. And instead of building up, we build out first and we lay a nice, wide, strong foundation. We throw our cash flowing assets on top of that. We achieve financial freedom. Then we start to say, well, maybe I want to do this easier. And I trade pillars for convenience once I'm free, then we can go up the rest of the pyramid. But that watermark, like you're saying, on our, on our logo is financial freedom. We do everything that sits below the surface and is boring. Like people thought I was crazy and stupid. And like, what is this guy doing? Until then, slow at first and then all at once, I was able to make decisions that nobody, in, nobody around me could be making. Um, yeah. And it looked really strange from the outside until like, Guys, think about this. Like, so I quit Goldman Sachs. I started a business and just before it took off, like I I quit the business I was in. I sold it back to my brother like months before they were then paying themselves multiple six-figure salaries. Like I bootstrapped it and walked away from it. I had, then I walked into an opportunity where I was making half a million dollars a year and I pulled the plug on that and literally walked away from it and went nine months with zero income. Like I've done lots of on the surface, very, very crazy things, unless you could see under the surface what I was actually doing. And everything aligned and everything was following that formula that sits secretly sitting under the surface that lined up to where then 
now I'm, like I said, I'm financially free. I run my own business. The downturn, it, like even if I was shut, like I told you the numbers, I have two years of my income. I, I, I'm never gonna, I'm gonna knock on wood. I'm never totally indestructible, but I feel like I'm in a pretty strong spot yeah. because we did everything that sits under the surface. No, and that's awesome. And I know, you know, today's show isn't it, but um, before, before we turn it back over to Corey, um, can you tease a little bit about what the vault is for the listeners? Since some people probably don't understand what that means. Yeah, I will. Now, everyone's going to like turn, like, I'm fair warning, Corey and Ron, to you guys, no one will listen to your podcast after I say this. <laughs> okay? Like, you are now taboo and no one will ever listen to you again because of what I'm about to say. Are you guys okay if I still say it? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. let's do it. Okay. It is cash value life insurance. Okay. It's high cash value, what we call investment grade life insurance that we store our capital. We're not buying it for the insurance. We're not buying it for those things, but it's the only vehicle, A, it's been around over 150 years and it's never lost money. Nothing else has a track record like that, right? So we've gone through bank runs, two world wars, stagflation. We went through the dot-com bubble, the real estate bubble, and now this never lost money. Also, it predates the tax code. It's the only investment that you can still have outside of real estate and a business. Interesting, we're seeing some similarities there that existed before the IRS. Everything existed after that. Wow. So it, it takes with it things that are not available anywhere else, okay? And then third, and again, this is super nerd again, we're in the political cycle again right now, I don't listen to what they're talking about because all I hear is, here's my only political statement. All I hear when people get up and talk politics is they're fighting over my money. One is saying, I want to take all your money and do this. And the other says, you're an idiot. I want to take all their money and do this. Right. All I hear is they just want to take all my money from me. So I ignore that part of the conversation, but all of them very generously disclose their tax returns. Have you ever read a politician's tax return? I have lots of them. And I learned some really, really interesting things. Every single one of them has cash value life insurance. Every one. Politicians know something we don't know. And all of the family foundations are all funded by life insurance. All of the billionaires, multimillionaires, this is where they're storing their capital. So we took a page from their book, saw how they were doing it. We don't set it, like don't go talk to your average life insurance agent less than one in a hundred agents even have contracts to write this or even understand what it is. But if done right, it's the most powerful wealth staying vehicle. Like for me, I've got several hundred thousand dollars in one of these vaults right now. The economy just fell by 30%. Mine didn't budge. It's completely independent. Uh, so I think we need to schedule another show and talk about this for an hour. <laughs> so so uh, no one ever listened to me because life insurance is the worst investment ever. Fine, <laughs> believe what you want, but that's what the vault is. Yeah, the, the worst kept secret, I guess, right now. Um, all right. So one question that I love to ask, uh, I get to ask every one of our guests, uh, and it's true to the show's name, and that's about hindsight. So we all know hindsight's 2020. So if if Brad from today could go back to Brad from the past. Uh, what advice would you give to provide yourself that uh, little bit better hindsight? Oh man, I love, love that question for so many reasons. So um, well, if I could go back in time, I don't regret my education, 
But if I could go back in time, the first advice I would give is to be stay entrepreneurial. Whether I have a job or not, whether I get an education or not, like I bought in too long to the idea that there's an answer in the back of the book. And if I study hard enough, I'll get the right answer. There is no right answer. There's only formulas and frameworks, right? So that would be one that, I, that slowed me down significantly. Like I spent years and years and years pursuing the right answer in the book instead of pursuing the frameworks and giving myself permission to take my own action and create my own path on those foundations. Does that make sense? So that's, yeah. that's, that's one. And then second, I think this is the advice that I've probably followed the best that I sort of discovered through looking back at hindsight is if you don't have a target, none of your decisions matter, right? It's the Cheshire cat thing. If you don't know where you're going, then it doesn't matter what path you take. So set the target and then don't make the, don't make marginal decisions, right? Because if I only make marginal decisions, looking back one layer, pretty quickly, we can be way off course. Because nobody, nobody goes from like zero to 180 very often, right? But it's, I go one degree at a time. And if I'm only looking at the last decision, it doesn't seem like that far off, right? And then the next decision isn't that far off from the last one. And pretty soon I'm facing a totally different direction. So if we set a target, and this is whether it's personal relationships, faith, finances, whatever that is. And we do this in our game plans. We set a target, a 10 year outcome that we want to hit. And then I only make my decisions against the target. Then I can see really how far off I am rather than saying, well, it worked because what happened in 05 was, well, it's not that much more than I paid last year. And then, well, it's not that much more than I paid. It's not that much more than I, and then pretty soon we're at the top of a bubble, right? Whereas if I always analyze something against a standard, then I really know how far I'm departing from what I've told myself from the beginning that I want. So I would have more ruthlessly held to my standard of what I want and stayed to those decisions. I, I love that. I love the focusing on the end game all the time, making decisions to focus on that end game to help you get to that end game quicker, if you will. Um, but maybe not quicker, maybe to help you stray less. I guess that's yes. a better way of putting it, right? And I'll, I'll tell a little, if you'll humor me, I'll tell you a little analogy of how I, yes. how I continue to think about this. So I grew up on a, on a farm. Most people have not had that chance. And um, there's a, very much a totem pole in a farm of like poop slides downhill, right? And so you do the, you do the crappy jobs at the beginning. And as you get more responsible, you can do jobs that are a lot more fun and kind of the one of the higher level jobs that I finally when it was high school, my dad trusted me to do was to disc and plow fields. And as you might imagine, like a, it's a huge piece of equipment worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's that I have to be responsible enough for, but I have to be able to drive a straight line. Right. Which seems like a really simple thing. And when I've got a hay, a stand of hay that I'm disking, one pass over it, I can drive a straight line perfectly because I can see where I'm cutting up the ground. Mm -hmm. But in order to plant back into a field, it has to be disked four or five times. And every time you go over it, it's less and less easy to see where I was before. You guys see in the picture unfold here? Yeah. yeah. So when my dad was teaching me to disk, I, it was the first pass through and I'm like, old oh, man, this is easy. Like I can see my, well, whatever. Like, tell me what you're going to do and let me do my thing. Right. But he, but he said, pick a point in the distance and you're 
all you're doing is when you turn around, you find that point and you drive to the same point every time. And if you move over in the turn, it's easy to see and get lined up. And then I drive to that point and I'll drive a straight line. I was like, okay, fine, old man, whatever. I'll pick a point in the distance. So I picked a fence post on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. How, how far was my vision, right? I was a right. teenager. That was a perfect analogy for how far teenagers can see into the future. Right. I picked a fence post and I'm disking away and thinking I'm doing great. And after now I'm on the third pass of the field and my dad comes screaming through being like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was all over the place on the field. And he said, no, 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 no you need to pick a distance on like our, we, our farm is in a valley. So there's a mountain range all the way around us. He's like, you need to pick one of the peaks of the mountains that far away and wow. drive toward it. And if it's far enough in the distance, you'll disc a straight line. And that was like one of those whole world spinning wake up moments of, wait a minute, I need to pick the point in the distance, the point on the mountain where I want to be. And if I'm always aligning with that, then I'll be able to disc a straight line. A fence post or the neighbor's house or something is not far enough in the future to be able to disc that straight line. So that's when we say pick that point and measure against the standard. That's what we're talking about. So if you, so the, the I, kind of my number one takeaway so far from this, this last hour is build a foundation. Build a foundation, build a foundation, build a foundation. And then you can start looking at the core four and four pillars. Then you have permission. And every client we work with, we come in, we show you the possibility, we pick that point on the mountain, and then we go back to the foundation. And we spend weeks, months, some people years putting that foundation together. But it's now that that, like that's the most rewarding part about what we do right now is we have floods of people coming back saying, oh my goodness, you told me about this stupid life insurance policy and I thought you were trying to make a commission, but man, am I glad that I have this, this foundation in place because it's not about what we build. It's about what we can actually keep. Right. Right. Financial freedom is, is the peace of mind that financial security will bring you. It's not how much you have in the bank. It's not how easy it is to flash things around. It's that moment when the world shuts down and you have to look around. You're like, no, wait a minute. I'm good. I'm good. Like that's financial freedom. And that only comes from having a strong foundation. And so for those of us that don't have that strong foundation, what, what do we, where do we need to go? Well, first go to cashflowtactics.com. Okay. Take our five day challenge because that exposes the foundation. Our five day challenge is meant to expose that, but more seriously, well, right now is a really good time for this. So um, when everything started melting down, I've been through a couple of these crises before Um, So I knew to get into it and get into it quick, right? Don't deny that it's coming. And so me and my two business partners, Ryan and Jimmy, before this even became an epidemic, we sat down and did what we called our black swan mitigation process. So we sat down and said, the world's ending. Let's take this to the extreme of what could be possible, right? And we started to freak out a little bit about it. We just got to keep your wits about you, but freak out for a minute, right? And we wrote down, we kept a list of everywhere we felt exposed. So we said, here's all the different directions it can go. Here's everything we're reading. Here's all the worst case scenarios. If those played out, where am I exposed? And we wrote all of those down. Then to bring ourselves back into reality and in abundance, we then wrote down, where am I okay? 
Where am I protected? Where do I feel strong? Right. And that sort of like, okay, I can breathe. Things are okay. But having those two lists of what is working and what is not working is the only place we can really start. Right. Um, so like, as an example for me in this particular crisis, toilet paper was a concern for a lot of people. Right. But my wife is amazing and she keeps an, an amazing house and keeps us in stock of all that stuff. And I literally, I went and added it up and we're like, all right, we got two months of toilet paper and that's business as usual for us. So we're good. So I could write toilet paper was an okay area. Right. Put that but on not a, what did you put that on a spreadsheet? I <laughs> did actually. I have my, I have my strong and weak spreadsheet built. Nice. <laughs> But where I felt exposed, and in Utah, we sort of had a double tap with this. We had the virus and we had a 5.7 magnitude earthquake happen last week. Right. So on top of all, while we were doing this, we had an earthquake and I realized I, I had toilet paper stored, but I don't have water stored. Like, what if I needed water? Like, wow, like that was somewhere I felt exposed. Like more to business, if you're looking for investment from that standpoint, I felt exposed that if my renters lost their job, I'm going to miss rent. And I'm just going to have to eat it because I can't kick them out, right? That's an exposed thing. But the, bent, the other side of that is I have six months business reserves that I can cover that if I need to, right? So we're trying to line these strengths and weaknesses up and find the things that we don't have a corresponding strength to. And then that becomes the next level of the foundation that we need to go focus on. Before we try to say, Hey, what opportunity, because everybody knows that wealth isn't destroyed, it's transferred, and everybody's already trying to guess, right? Where do I need to invest? Where do I need to be? What do I need to do? Right. But if you've not gone through that personal list, where was I personally exposed? Where was my business exposed? Where were my investments exposed? Then you're just going to build another layer on your house of cards. So we went through that process of strength and weakness, and then we've lined up a whole to-do list of this, like in my business, our message is needed now more than ever. But I, I, my, my marketing and staying in touch with my clientele is not as strong as it needs to be. So we've already, that's why we're on this podcast. So I was like, wait a minute, Corey asked me to be on his podcast. I should go be on his podcast so people can hear about this, right? So we stepped up in the areas that we needed to. And then we, we were grateful for a moment in the areas that we were, that we were strong. That's, that's where I would start. Cause I don't know you, I don't know your situation. I can't tell you what to do. And anybody that stands up and says, everybody hearing me should do this. Unless they're teaching frameworks and formulas is not as dangerous. That's advice again, right? We don't want to be there, but that process will open up and expose where you need to take action, which will then position you because crises go through three phases. And the first is just fear, right? Then the second is where, where opportunity starts to come out of it, right? And so we need to act in the, take care of ourselves during that fear stage, right? And then during the actual correction stage, that's where we can identify what actions need to be taken. And too many people skip and just go right to what action should I take? And that only compounds their problems. So that, yeah. that's kind of what I very quickly and very generally to help anybody listening, that's the process I would sit down and go through because it's one of those things you got to go slow to go fast. Um, and it's, it's a slow at first and then all at once we get our results. Yeah. What I, what I loved about that was uh, one, two things. One, uh, I love Excel and I love spreadsheets. So I think that's awesome that you use spreadsheets for everything. Cause I'm very similar. I take notes in spreadsheets, but people think I'm weird, but I, I like to organize my thoughts and that's yes. why I do it. Um, the other piece is you took a moment 
and you really paused to plan out what you were going to do. And you didn't just react. You didn't just react, you know? And um, yeah, the toilet paper thing, I haven't really understood why that's such a thing right now. I mean, but also my wife, like we go to Costco and we have a ton of toilet paper. Like yep. that's not a thing. And it's, it's funny. I ironically had to go to the store and I had to get some toilet paper because we ha always have X amount backed up. And I just got one and I had multiple people coming up to me wanting to buy the toilet paper. Yeah. And I'm like, there is like a pallet of toilet paper back there. Like just go get your own toilet paper. Not a big deal. But do two things right there that just validate everything. I love that you shared that. So first off, when people are acting irrationally, they're not. They're actually acting rationally, but it's in response to somewhere where they feel exposed. Yeah. Right? But what you just said is those people trying to buy the toilet paper were not sufficiently hedged. They were not insulated from themselves. And they, they now had to part with cash at higher rates than yeah. they would have otherwise if you were just prepared, right? That's the exact example of what happened in 2008, right? I didn't have to part with my property because I was protected from myself. People paying too much for toilet paper right now is because they're not protected from themselves. Ah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, Brad, all right. So I, I would love to just sit and chat with you for the next four hours. I mean, you're, the amount of education you can uh, in impart on people is, is pretty incredible so um but cashflowtactics.com you've got a facebook group you've got a five-day challenge um those are kind of the first uh, that, that really else. that's the best place i mean we have a podcast now the rise up live free podcast go if you want more of this ongoing conversation go go listen to the podcast that's that's new we're like 10 or 15 episodes in we're gonna be cranking out two a week for the rest of time and it's just going to be more of this conversation um so next the podcast profit, right next one that, that <laughs> you're coming up you're and already, then you already listen to protect buddy, yeah. next. <laughs> um, so, so go, that rise up live free podcast go subscribe to that and then if you're ready to then do something about it because podcasts are great except there's way too many what we call spreadsheet millionaires the danger of a spreadsheet is it makes you feel really good and then you don't go do anything with it right mm -hmm. so don't just listen to the podcast when you're ready to do something about it go to either cashflowtactics.com forward slash group. That'll take you right to our Facebook group. And then in there is the five-day challenge. Or if you just want to go straight to the five-day challenge forward slash five-day challenge, the number or the word, it both redirects to the same place. But if you go to five-day challenge, that will take you through the beginnings of how your foundation should work, how these core four, four pillars get applied. And it's the first step. And the outcome of that is we'll know exactly what you personally need to do to get your foundation right so that we can start building toward financial freedom. So that's the outcome in five days, 20 minutes a day. You watch a quick video, you do a quick, everything. You get spreadsheets, Ron. Oh. I will send you my spreadsheets to do. Okay. Um, so every day you get a spreadsheet, you get a quick video and you get to build your own game plan through that five, that through that five days. So those would be the two action places would be forward slash group forward slash five day challenge. And then to continue the conversation is the, the Rise of Live Free podcast. All right. So I have this, I have this crazy idea, Brad. What if, what if Corey and I did your five-day challenge kind of live with the audience? And then we get back together with you and Ryan together, even though we've kind of broken it up, and we just kind of talk about next steps and where we're at. 
Oh, that would, I mean, to have listened to me and Ryan's episode first, you're saying, and then listen to you guys talk about the challenge and then come back and break it down afterwards. Those four or five episodes would be powerhouse. I would, I'm geeking out about that. I would love to do that. (laughs) Corey, you down for that? Yeah, that's great. And people will, you know, because part of the challenge is posting into the Cashflow Tactics Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So people will get some of the daily stuff on that side as well. If we're, when, if we're all doing that. So, so it'd be a a live kind of thing. So here's the thing, guys, here's the only warning. If you really want to do this, this is like that, the polar challenge from back in the day or whatever, like you got to get a little open kimono and uh, we're going to expose some, I got to get a little vulnerable because you're going to post numbers and be like, yeah, that's a little embarrassing. So I actually like that you guys are willing to get out and lead because that's the biggest thing we have to overcome with people is there's three topics we're never supposed to talk about at the dinner table, right? Politics, sex, and money, right? right? And so where it's, there's so many of us that think just like we do in every area of our life, like, oh, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I'm the worst at this. And I don't even want to start it. But if you guys get out and lead it, and, and get a little open and vulnerable about it and say, man, this is what I'm learning and this is what I'm seeing and this is where my eyes are being opened. I think a lot more people, it'd be that permission slip for yeah. so many more people to get over that, that little bit of angst and fear of being, I gotta, I gotta confront some demons here that I, I think you'd be doing people a massive service to get out and lead this because that's what they need. They need to see somebody go first and do it. So kudos to that. I would love you guys to do that. All right. I'm down. Uh, my, uh, my demons will be exposed. <laughs> if people didn't know us already from the show, uh, they're about to. They're Here about to know. know us. Perfect. This All right, fun, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute thrill. Uh, and and I, can't wait. I can't wait for the next five days. Yeah, this will be good. So stay in touch on that. And then we'll be back to break it all down. So be good. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you everyone for listening to Hindsight Hacking. We have just finished our part, second part of the interview with Bradley Gibb. Uh, Cashflow Tactics, they are changing lives and I know that we are going to be some people that our lives are going to be changed because of them. Brad, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. And at the end of the day, everyone needs to go to cashflowtactics.com. But wait, we have one more special episode coming up tomorrow when Ryan, Brad, Ron, and I all dig in to their five-day challenge and what we've learned. Yeah, absolutely. Normally, Corey, I would give two takeaways, but I think I'm going to save this for tomorrow where all four of us are going to hop on. We're going to talk kind of our journey through their five-step process, our learnings, and just kind of banter back and forth around that. Yeah, well, I know we are very, very lucky. And uh, for everyone listening, you are in for a treat tomorrow. And we thank you for joining us over this little mini-series and being the best part of the Hindsight Hackers community.